I have taken the summer, and I've, I've, I love summer. I've enjoyed summer, and uh, I've enjoyed teaching this as much as I have anything. I received Christ as my Savior as a 12-year-old boy. Vicky and I got married. I wasn't 12 when we got married. Uh, it was a little later than that, amen? And uh, she's older than me, but I won't say how much, all right? Uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm all right, you know. All right, I better quit, all right? Okay, she's looking at me. Quit it. Uh, she found Christ as her Savior uh, in my grandmother's church. And uh, we began this journey as Christians. And uh, we decided that we wanted Jesus Christ in our life. I found out early in my life that nothing else worked. Uh, if I was looking for peace and for hope and for a better life, that it was in Jesus Christ. And so we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. And then along the way, we learned some things that changed us. The very first thing that we talked about in the beginning of this series was righteousness. When I found out that God was not mad at me, God was not in a bad mood. He's not in a foul mood. He's not angry. And that he sent his son to the cross to take my place. And that my sin was nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. The Bible says so. The petition of things against me was nailed to the cross. My sin was transferred to Jesus. And his righteousness was transferred to me. And I'm square with God this morning. I'm in right standing with God this morning. Not because of what I have or haven't done. But because Jesus Christ is my savior. That changed my life. That changed my life as a Christian. It changed my prayer life. It changed my church attendance. It changed everything. Because I don't know about you, I, and I'm not blaming the pastor in the church I grew up in. He was a good man. But just somewhere along the line, I got this idea that, you know, God was mad at me. And so when I found out that he wasn't, man, it felt good. The second thing that happened to us after we found Christ as our Savior and began this journey, we went to the Holiday Inn in Amarillo, Texas to a church meeting. A guy by the name of Raymond Bloomfield was preaching there. I can't wait to see him in heaven and hug his neck and say how much he changed my life. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit there and uh, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Didn't know anything about that. I hadn't been taught anything against it. I hadn't been taught anything for it. I just didn't know anything about it. About it and uh, Vicky and I received we're young married we're kids now we're in our early 20s but we're kids and we would go home at night and get in the covers under the covers in bed and pull the covers up over our heads and I'd whisper you speak in tongues and she'd say no you speak in tongues and so I mean we were just kids we didn't know anything about it we didn't know what had happened to us and uh, thank God we hadn't learned uh, any unbelief or things about it. We just, we, we went up to the water and we slipped and fell in. And, uh, and once we slipped and fell in, it, it changed us. And one of the things it did for us is it gave us the strength to live a daily life for Jesus Christ. And we've never been the same since then. The next thing that happened to us is we found out about the power of words. Then that your words are like seed and it does matter what you say. Listen, I love words. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is Kung Fu Panda. You know, it's right up there with True Grit, okay? There's, you know, I've got five top. Well, Kung Fu, if you've never seen Kung Fu Panda, get saved. Go straight to Emerald and buy it and watch it this afternoon. Uh, who's seen Kung Fu Panda? Let me right here. Thank you. All my young adults who love Jesus. Yes, all right. All right, that's why I love kids. I'm right where you are. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. At the end of that movie, when the Kung Fu Panda wins the battle and he beats the bad guy, and uh, the bad guy says, you can't defeat me. You're a fat panda. And he says, I'm not a fat panda. I'm the fat panda right and then he's laying down he's defeated the warrior the bad guy he finds out that he is the dragon warrior and he's laying down with this little rat guy who's his master i think his name is tylo and uh, he's talking to him and he's won the battle and uh, he says do you need me to stop talking and his master says if you think you can okay god and i have that conversation every day right 
I say, God, do I need to stop talking? And he says, if you think you can. Then he sends my wife by to tell me to stop talking. Uh, I love words. words. Words have gotten me in trouble and words have blessed me. And so we found out early in our life that it does matter how we talk and it does matter our confession. And what we begin to do is we begin to say what God was saying about us. Listen, it doesn't matter what my coach said. It doesn't matter what my mom said. And I love my mom dearly. It doesn't matter what my brother said or my uncle said. Every one of you in this room have had bad things spoken over you. And some of you have carried them for literally for decades. What matters is what God says. And I began to find that out and I began to say it and it changed our life. The next thing I found out was about the integrity of God's word. This week, uh, I had a brother who attends this church came by and he had a question and he'd been visited with a family member and he had a question about something in the Bible. And he came into my office and he said, hey, what, what does the Bible say about this? What, what does God say about this? And it so ministered to me. It so encouraged me because listen, if you'll do that in your life, it'll change your life. Whether it's a question about your family, your kids, your money, whether you need peace in your mind, you need healing in your body. If you'll say to yourself, Hey, I wonder what the Bible says about that. And that's what Vicky and I began to do. We began to go to Scripture. And we began to look up in the Scripture, what does God say about this? And then we begin to apply that to our lives. And we begin to make that the foundation of our life. And again, uh, it wasn't what my grandmother said. It wasn't what my aunt said. It was what, what did God say? And we began to do that, and it changed us. Then the next thing was church. We started going to church. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you know, we just, we went to church some, and I'm not saying we didn't. I found Christ in church. Thank God for, the pastor came to our home. But we began to come to church. And I talked to you about how church is like a spiritual splash pad. You, how many of y'all know what a splash pad is? Right, right here, thank you. Brooklyn knows what a splash pad is, right? All right, that's those places where they put the colored tubes and the water splashes, and you go put your swimsuit on or leave your clothes on. It doesn't matter. You need some kind of clothing on, right? Uh, unless it's your loincloth, Amen. And uh, when you come to church, the living water flows over you and it washes you, it refreshes you, it renews you, it heals you. See, I don't, I don't go to church to make God happy. I don't go to church to make you happy. I don't go to church to get points. I don't go to church because it's the right thing to do. I don't go to church because I'm an American or because I'm a Texan and those are all good things. I go to church because I get life there. See, the message of Christianity has always been life. See, it's not religion. It's not rules. It's not guidelines. It's about life. And so when you come in this place, uh, put on your spiritual swimsuit and dive in and get some on you, and it'll change you. Kurt said something last week that so ministered to me. He said, you can come to church and sit on the back row with your arms folded mad, and God will still touch you. God will still change you. And so we begin to go to church, and church begin to change our life. If I could just get people to understand that when you get here, you're going to get some life on you. People wouldn't stay away. The next thing we talked about was that we're redeemed, Galatians 3.13. That was one of the first verses I learned. Uh, when I was in Bible school, there was a Bible teacher named Bob Yandian, and he taught a class on the book of Galatians. And it was so rich, so amazing, so full of truth. I would leave that class every day literally punch drunk because I was learning so many things in that class. And I'll never forget when he quoted Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. When I found out that I wasn't cursed, 
that there's no curse on me from God, there's no curse on me from the world, that when I don't keep the law, I'm not cursed because I'm not under the law, and that I'm blessed and that Abraham's blessings are mine. The Bible says that Abraham was rich in cattle, rich in sheep, and rich in land. God blessed him and took care of him. And when I found out, oh my gosh, those blessings belong to me, I found out that God is a giver and God loves me and God's my father. It, It changed me. It changed everything in our life. It changed my prayer life. Then the last thing I talked about last week was early on in our Christian life, we just decided to fall in love with Jesus. Listen, that's the answer to your Christianity, if you'll fall in love with Jesus. And you know what we did? We decided to go all in. We decided to go all in, and I fell in love with Jesus. Listen, Vicki's sitting right here, and I talked about it last week. I love her with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love being with her, love hanging out with her. It's never a hassle. It's never a burden. I never get tired of it. She kind of, no, she doesn't get tired of it. She never gets tired of it. Amen. I love being with her. I've been with her almost 40 years, and uh, it gets better every single day. Because of what? Because of love. All right, my relationship with Jesus Christ is the same way, and you can have the same thing. Listen, Vicki always used to say this, you cultivate love. You cultivate. You know what you're doing this morning by being here? You're cultivating love. You're allowing the Word of God and the Spirit of God to stir up in your heart, and it cultivates love. The Bible says when you know Jesus is your Savior that you have the nature of God on the inside of you, so you also have the love of God on the inside of you. The Bible says God loved us first. You see, when I was lost, Jesus loved me. Then when I found out that he loved me, I loved him back. The more you look for God, the more you'll find him. Let that soak in. The more you look for God, the more you'll find him. The more you're in church, the more you read your Bible, the more you pray, the more you do those things, the more you cultivate your relationship with God. If I only spent one day a week with Vicky, let's say I was gone six days a week, and on Sunday I got up and said, oh, it's Vicky day, and we're going to spend the day together, uh, that'd get me in trouble pretty quick because we couldn't survive on one day a week. Listen, God doesn't want you to be a Sunday Christian. He wants you to be a Monday through Sunday Christian. Amen? It's so all you do is you cultivate that. And you know what it did? It changed us. Now, the next thing I want to share, I've got two weeks left. I've got this morning and next week. The list could be 100 items long. I mean, I'm not going to finish it by any means. But the next thing I learned was when I found out that Jesus was a healer. Jesus is a healer. When I found out that I could pray for healing in my own life, in the life of my wife and my children, when I found that message out that Jesus was interested in my health, Jesus was interested in my healing, it changed our life. I'm going to read to you this morning out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. This is one of the first verses I learned in the New Testament that talked about healing. I'm reading New King James. Listen to what it says. It says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Of course, that's a reference to Jesus dying on the cross. That we, you and I, we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. That last sentence says, by whose stripes you were healed. That's a reference to where Jesus was, before he went to the cross, before he was crucified, he was whipped by the Roman soldiers. There's discrepancy of how many times he was hit. Some say 39, some say more, but he was whipped by the Roman soldiers. And now that wasn't done because they were in a bad mood. That wasn't done because Jesus was a bad person. It was done for your healing because the scripture says so. By his stripes, by the whips, by the wounds that he took, by his stripes you were healed. 
When I found that out, when I read that verse, oh my gosh, I could be healed. Healing could belong to me. I could have it in my life if I wanted it. And it says that you're not going to be healed. It says you were healed. Listen, I couldn't save myself, right? I couldn't save myself. I heard the gospel and I found out Jesus paid the price. I said, yes. I couldn't fill myself with the Holy Spirit. When I didn't know anything about it, I didn't have it. But when I found out about it and I said, hey, Lord, I think I want some of that, he filled me with the Holy Spirit. Listen, healing is the very same way. I can't heal myself. Now, I'm doing some things. I try to eat right. I try to eat more broccoli. I try to eat more kale. I try to eat less ice cream. You know, I've learned don't get the half-gallon container to the couch in front of the TV because you'll look down and it'll be empty, right? I've learned to use a smaller bowl and to put it in a bowl and not get the container out. You know, Vicky and I watch TV in different rooms, and it's real easy to sneak in there. I don't sneak. It's, I'm the man of the house, right? Come on. I'm a grown man. I can eat all the ice cream I want. I'm not looking over here, all right? But, you know, I found out, you got, you know, I need to eat more broccoli. If they would make broccoli ice cream, I would be a happy camper. Because I, no, that doesn't sound good, does it? No, that doesn't sound good, all right? But I'm, I'm doing some things. But when I found out that I could be healed, it changed my life. <clears throat> Listen, our God, your God, my God, is a healer. It's his nature to heal. It's his nature to restore If God sent the very best that he had, which is his own son, how much more will he freely give us all things? Let me read you another verse. I want to read to you uh, Exodus 23, 25. This is one of my uh, devotional verses, Exodus 23, 25. Listen to it. Let, Let me read it to you. Okay, it's 25 and 26. It says, so you shall serve the Lord your God. He'll bless your bread and your water or your ice cream. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. Wow, wow. I love those two verses. Let me read to you one more time. So you shall serve the Lord your God. He'll bless your bread and your water. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one will suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. There's a lot of truth in that. That's one of my devotional verses. I have it on a card and I read it to myself every single day. But just focus on what it says. It says, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Now here's the rub. When you read that verse, I know what you think. You think, well, lots of Christians think. That first sentence says, so you shall serve the Lord your God. So here's what you do. You try to disqualify yourself. Well, I'm in church and I'm trying to serve God. I'm, I'm trying to do right, but I don't feel like I'm doing enough. Listen, if you're in Jesus Christ this morning and you know him as your savior, you're a child of God and you're walking with God and this promise belongs to you. Listen, don't disqualify yourself from the promises of God because the price was paid by Jesus Christ and it all belongs to you. All you have to do is say, Lord, I believe I'll have some of that. I want it. I believe that. So don't think, well, this isn't for me because it is for you because the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. That verse really helped me, really encouraged me and has really ministered to me. Like I said, I hang on to it all the time. Now, let me read you one more verse. I'm going to go to Matthew 8, 16. Then I want to tell you a story. Matthew 8, 16, New King James says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. I want you to notice what it says. He didn't heal some. 
He healed all who were sick. What's it say? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, of course, that says that it's a reference to Isaiah. The word infirmity means weakness. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid for your salvation. He paid for you to receive the Holy Spirit, and he paid for your healing. He took your infirmity. He took your sickness. What do we do when we receive communion? We take that bread and we break it, and that represents the broken body of Christ. What does that mean? He was broken so you could be made whole. So the promise in there to me is very simple and very clear. When I was a kid growing up, I was an asthmatic. I do not remember when I contracted the disease. Oh, I can, from my earliest memories, I had asthma and I had bad asthma. I was a skinny asthmatic kid. It's hard to believe that I was ever skinny, but I was. I've just worked really hard to beat that off of me in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I've done good. God's blessed me, hadn't he? All right. So I was a skinny, frail kid. I had a hard time in sports. I played football in junior high. But then whenever I would run and play, I would wheeze. Well, the asthma medicine in those days was different than it is today. Today, there's inhalers and there's technology that makes it work very quickly. But in those days, you had to take a pill to get rid of your asthma. Well, I'd go run outside and play and have fun and start wheezing. And my lungs would tighten up and feel like an elephant was sitting on my chest. And I would run in to take an asthma pill And I would have to sit and try to relax and try to breathe until my lungs would open up. So I've told you before, the way you solve that is I would just sneak in the bathroom and take a pill before I went outside to play. And then I'd get it in my bloodstream. And then I'd be able to do the things that I wanted to do and not wheeze. All right, I was in the hospital many times. Uh, I would wake up in the middle of the night wheezing and I couldn't breathe. My mother would take me in the car and take me to the hospital. They would give me a shot of whatever. I would have to drink four or five glasses of water and I would have to wait until my lungs opened up. Then when my mother would get me back home and tucked back in bed, I'd be shaking from the medicine and I couldn't even fall asleep because I was so alert from that medication that they gave me. Uh, I spent many nights in the hospital because I would contract pneumonia. My lungs were weak and I would get sick. I'd get bronchitis. It turned into pneumonia. I'd have to go to the hospital and spend the night. They'd put that clear tent over the bed and they would put that cool mist air with oxygen. And so the bed would be wet and cold and I've got pneumonia, right? I never did get it. They're trying to put cold, wet air on me and on my bed and trying to heal me in pneumonia. They were trying to kill me is what they were trying to do. But, but I didn't die, thank God. Now, the doctor I went to in Amarillo was named Dr. Dyer. And uh, I'm, I, I went to him so much that... When I would have asthma and I would go in, they would immediately take me in. I was so such a regular patient that when my mother would come in the door, the nurse would look up and say, oh, it's Rusty and his mom. Y'all come straight on into the back. Listen, you don't want that kind of relationship with your doctor, amen, to where you're so known from being sick that you, you just they take you right on back. And I struggled with it lots and lots. The majority of my life, but then when Vicky and I found Christ, we found out that Jesus was my healer, uh, and I began to pray and I began to ask Him to restore and to heal my lungs. I began this journey of getting better. I began this journey of recovery. Now, listen, my asthma is ninety nine percent better than it was when I was a kid. Now, I know somebody's thinking, "Well, you outgrew it." That's malarkey. Okay, I did not outgrow it, all right? I got healed is what happened because I found out that Jesus is my healer. And I'm not saying I still can't occasionally have some things with it, but listen, my life is not debilitated in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, The medication's completely different. I do less of it. 
Uh, I used to go to Lubbock to Dr. Crisp, and he's passed away now. And Vicki and I would go up there when we were married and see him, and they ran tests and did all these things. Listen, I don't even go there anymore. I don't have an account there. Uh, I, they're not my doctor anymore because I've gotten so much better. Now, here's the thing. If you're not sick, this means nothing to you. If you think, well, hey, that's great and that's wonderful and everything, but you've got to understand something. When I found out that Jesus could be my healer as much as my Savior, that was good news for me. That was good news for our pocketbook. That was good news, right? What, what does sickness do? Well, sickness will break you, right? Uh, sickness takes your money away from you. So it changed my life. Now I want to go to another verse. I'm going to go to Mark 16, 18, and I want to show you something that happened. Now, I'm going to read a portion of these scriptures. It's called the Great Commission. Okay, the Great Commission is these signs will follow those who believe. And there's a list of supernatural signs. I'm going to start reading in the middle of it. I'm not going to read it all to you. Well, let me just go ahead and let me read it all to you. Let me find it. Okay, let me go right here it is. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. Listen to this. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Now, you may hear some of that and think, my gosh, what's that all about, Pastor? Some of that stuff sounds kind of weird or kind of scary. All I want you to focus on is the last sentence. It says, these signs will follow those who believe. Listen. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you're a believer. You qualify. Isn't this good? I've qualified you twice. You didn't even know it. Too bad we're not getting new cars or something today, right? I mean, I've pre-approved you, and you're qualified. You're qualified as a believer, and these signs will follow those who believe. Listen, they'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. And here's what I love about that verse. I've been prayed for hundreds of times. For different kinds of sickness. I was prayed for asthma. When I was a kid, I'd go with my grandmother to church. She's a Pentecostal. And they would take me down on 6th Street in Amarillo to a church called Souls Harbor. It's not named that anymore. Then people were crazy. Okay? Well, they had a radio commercial. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Come to Souls Harbor. <laughs> That's the kind of church it was. Okay? Half of you wouldn't be here if we were that kind of church. You'd be at home, amen? Right, they were that kind of church. And so they took me there. My grandmother took me there, and they would sit me on the outside aisle, and when they would say, if anybody wants prayer, come up, they would push me out of my seat into the aisle. I literally kicked me out into the aisle. And when I would hit the ground, the preacher would go, you right there, young man, come right on up. I think they had it planned the whole time, right? I mean, they had it planned the whole time. And they prayed for me. Now, listen, I've been prayed for many times, and some of it was like that, and some of it wasn't. Uh, my grandmother told my dad that they were praying that I would be normal. And number one, that prayer never worked, okay? <laughs> but here's the better part of it. It made my dad mad. Don't, don't you love it, man? It made him mad because they said I wasn't normal. And so, I, man, isn't that good? Yeah, it made him mad. He told him, shut up. There's not anything wrong with Rusty. Well, they knew better, and so they were praying, amen? So I've had many times that I've been prayed over. Here's what I love about that verse. Let me tell you a couple of things. First off, when you come here and you have a need, don't be afraid to have another brother or sister in this service pray for you. And don't you be afraid to come up front and get prayer. Because I've always wanted, and I have, I want a church where you can get prayer. You see, I, I, other churches are doing good things, and I'm not saying they're not. But I want a church where if you're sick and you have a need, you can come up front and you can get hands laid on you. Listen, 
When you go to the doctor and you get medicine, they give you antibiotic. They tell you to take all of it until it's gone because they found out that if you take half of it and don't finish it, it can make things worse. So you diligently take your medicine. Listen, prayer's the same way. When you have a need in your life, if you have that need for two weeks, two months, or two years, I believe it doesn't hurt every time you're in the door, you come up front and get prayer for that need. And all you're doing is taking your spiritual medicine and allowing the anointing and the power and the grace of God through prayer to come on you. So it says you will recover. All right, here's what I love about that word. Probably many of you have been prayed for, I've been prayed for. I would go to those crazy meetings and get prayer, and then I would go home that night and have the worst asthma attack I've had in six weeks. And they'd have to get me up and take me to the doctor in the middle of the night. And you know what I'm thinking all the way to the doctor? I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. It didn't work. It's a sham, and it's a farce, and I don't believe in it. Can I encourage you in something? That's what I love about this verse. It says you will recover. The word means to be made well. Listen, I'm a living testimony this morning. From the time I was a kid going to the hospital, I have walked on a road to recovery. I've walked on a road to wellness and to health and to healing. And I'm a living testimony that that verse works. I've been prayed for and I have recovered. Doesn't mean I haven't had relapses, mean things haven't happened. But listen, I'm a thousand times better than I was. It's the very same way with you. I want you to hang on to this. I want this to encourage you, especially if you've gotten prayer and the devil's told you, well, it didn't work. You didn't get it. No, it did work. And I did get it. Amen. It did work. And I did get it. All right. I want to read you another verse. I want to go to James chapter five, verse 14. Again, new King James, listen to it. Is anyone among you sick? That's a question. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of Jesus. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Oh, my gosh, there's a lot in this. You see that? Now, let me just go through it. Is there anybody sick? Call for the elders of the church. All right, we have elders in this church. I'm one of them, and they're in both services, and you can have one of them pray for you. But as a believer, you can also pray. All right, you can also pray. Any Sunday, you can step out and come right up here and say, I'd like to have an elder pray for me. I can pray for you. Mike Haynes is an elder. He can pray for you. But you can also come up here as a believer and have another believer pray for you. Listen to what it says. It says in the prayer, faith will save the sick. Here's what the word save means. It means to make well, to heal, or to restore. Don't you love that? To make well, to heal, or to restore. The word, the Greek word is sozo. All right, it's all inclusive. Whatever you need from God, you come up front. We can anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith, and you'll be healed. Listen, I got my oil right here in my pocket. I carry it with me most of the times everywhere I go. There's nothing uh, holy about it. There's nothing supernatural about it. What it represents is the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a bottle of oil right somewhere up here that we use to pray for people. Listen, let me tell you something very powerful. All right, you as a New Testament Christian can pray for your family, pray for your kids, pray for your grandkids, and you can anoint them with oil because you're a Christian. All you do is go to the cabinet. If you've got olive oil, it's perfect. But if you don't have olive oil, uh, you can, you know, like any kind of cooking oil will work. It doesn't matter. And I wouldn't use 10W40, but if that's all you got, man, go for it, right? Just don't get it in your eyeball, right? Amen. Okay, I mean, if all you got's Crisco, you can use that. Listen, it's not the oil. That's not, you know, oh, well, it has to be holy oil from Israel. No, it does not. 
Okay, any kind of oil. It says that if there's anybody sick, you can anoint them with oil and pray. Listen, one of the most powerful things you can learn as a parent is at two in the morning when your baby's crying and they don't feel good and you're waiting for the doctor to call, you'll get some oil and you put some on them and you and your husband or you and your family, whoever's there, you put your hands on them. We teach this at Power Kids and you pray in the name of Jesus, be healed. Jesus is a healer, and he'll touch you, and he'll touch your family. Let me finish the verse. It says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, make well, heal, restore. I love this. And the Lord will raise him up. And then this second part's almost crazy. And if you've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Wow. So when you come up here for prayer for sickness, and I lay hands on you and pray and anoint you with oil, not only do you get healed, if you've got sin in your life, you get forgiven. Man, that's one-stop shopping, isn't it? Man, that, that, you didn't even know you got both of those. That's like a bonus you didn't even know about. Amen? And it says, to do what? what will happen? The Lord will raise them up. Now, in the time that I've got left, just let me be practical. I believe in doing two things. I believe in doing everything you know to do in the natural and everything you know to do in the spiritual. What does that mean? That means uh, I believe in going to the doctor, and I believe doctors in medicine are a gift from God, and the wisdom that they have is a gift from God. And when I go to the doctor, I pray over my doctor. When I went to Dr. Shami, I had my eye issues. I prayed over Dr. Shami. He saved my life. He saved my vision. God used Dr. Shami. Jesus touched me. Dr. Shami touched me. And I'm not blind, and I can see, and I can live my life. And I continue to pray for him. And when I go see him, I thank him, and I tell him I'm always praying for him. Listen, when you go to the doctor, if you're smart, you'll pray for your doctor. You'll pray they have wisdom. You'll pray that God's hand and guidance is on them. You'll pray that you have favor. Amen? Thank God for medicine. Thank God for doctors. All right, I believe in that. But the second thing I do is I know Jesus is my healer. I know Jesus is my healer, and he's your healer. So you do everything you know to do in the natural. You do everything you know to do in the spiritual. Now, let me say one more thing that's stirring in my heart. When people die because they're sick, that's not failure. It's not failure. All right, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you know somebody. My mother died of a brain tumor. I prayed for her. She didn't get healed. She's in heaven with Jesus right now, and she's fine, and I thank God she's there. And I'm going to see her again. She didn't fail, and I didn't fail. Do not do that to yourself. Do not, don't not believe this message because, well, I know somebody that died and didn't get healed. Okay, that's between them and God. Okay, don't do that to yourself. Don't allow yourself to think, well, I don't believe this because it has to be all or none. Listen, nothing in life is all or none. Many of you across this room have been healed. We could have testimonies. I've been healed. Vicky's been healed. My kids have been healed. All right, many, we could tell countless stories of how Jesus has honored his word and done this. I want to encourage you this morning. Healing belongs to you. Don't be afraid to pray. Pray for your children. Pray for yourself. Pray for your grandkids. When you know people are sick, don't be afraid to pray for them. I can tell you countless stories where I've prayed for people and God has done miracles and God has touched them and God has healed them. Listen, this changed our life. Have we had battles? You better believe it. You better believe it. Have we had battles? Everybody has battles. But listen, God is a healer. God is a healer. He loves you. Amen? All right, y'all stand up and let's pray. I'm so grateful that you're here this morning. I'm so thankful for your heart to be in church. Let me pray over you and pray God's blessing. Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for my church family. Lord, I'm so thankful that you would count me faithful and allow me to pastor such an amazing church, such an amazing group of people. Lord, I'm humbled by your goodness and your grace in my life. Father, everything I want in my life, I want for them.
I want them to be blessed. I want them to be strengthened. I want their homes to be well and covered in grace, their jobs to go good, and that you meet every single need they have. Father, I love my church family. I love my church. I don't know what people do without it. I'm glad I don't have to think it, I don't have to figure it out. Lord, bless us, strengthen us, encourage us. I'm humbled by your love. I'm humbled that you're our healer. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Y'all go and be blessed. I love you. You have a great rest of your weekend.